0: Welcome to Hebrewcast, the podcast where I, Aladneharai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative juice. Uh, welcome to Hebrewcast. I am so excited. This is episode. Now I know which episode number is, which is very exciting. Episode thirty-six, which is very special. Um, yeah. You know, double high. You're aware of this, right? Okay. So this is Jessica. So should I say your full name? Is it? You could how say do you my go, full name, which is weird because I, I should. What, how do you go? What do you, what do you go by? Jess. Jess.
1: Jess. Like just J E S. But like, if
0: someone was to say your full name, like if you so were introducing yourself as an artist,
1: lately people are like, "This is Jessica Tamara Deutsch." Mm-hmm. I would introduce myself as Jessica Deutsch if I would be meeting like a proper adult or a professional, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but are you one? Because then maybe we shouldn't do that. If that's,
1: I think I'm becoming one. I'm like connecting right. more to adult version of Jess, right. which I guess 27, is Jessica Deutsch. Yes, Jessica 27 Deutsch. 27 maybe, yeah. <laughs> all right.
0: So we also, you know, we're going to use the title, so we should do... So Jessica Deutsch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's my horrible intro of Jessica Deutsch. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's so nice to have you.
1: Sweet, That's, yeah. Thanks for having me, lad.
0: I'm pumped to have you, actually. It's really exciting. First of all, it's. I just love when I realize, oh, like... This super cool artist that I've been hearing so much about lives in Brooklyn, like lives close by. And uh, that's one of the beauties of Brooklyn, I think. Like, we are like, oh, this person's right here. So I moved
1: there, like, about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I figured I'd give the Brooklyn thing a try. I've been Oh, so it's recent. Okay. Yeah, it's very recent. Um,
0: Where were you before?
1: So (laughs) this past year has been somewhat of... nomadic year. I was Mm. in Israel for about four months, um, living in Jerusalem, doing that thing. Um, I was Ah. joking with people that I'm sort of like living out all of these teenage dreams of places where I want to live. Um, so the first one was a hole in the wall in Ahlot. I found one there that was wonderful. (laughs) Um, and then I came back to New York for a little bit, did some freelance work. Mm. And then I went, um, I've been doing book tour stuff this year, so...
0: For the Pirkei
1: Yeah, for the Illustrated Pirkei Avot, yeah. Um, so it wow. has been keeping me busy, um, going to different Limud conferences and connecting with different communities. Um,
0: wow.
1: Yeah, tr- it's basically been a fun excuse to get an inside sort of view on what different communities are like in places that I've just been curious to check out. Um, wow. Spent some time on the West Coast, hmm. went to Limud, UK um which oh, was that's the big massive one. yeah yeah i know it's it's so big
0: <laughs> wow
1: yeah that was my first one ever
0: oh really that's yeah
1: cool. um so i sort of yeah dove into the deep end there
0: <laughs> nice. um
1: but yeah it was really fun met a lot of really cool people there mm. um exhausting but <laughs> really fun
0: wow that's so cool well i'm glad you brought per of it just because i feel like that made like real waves i thought that was Amazing, like just thanks. like, besides obviously that it's an amazing <laughs> book, like, just the fact that it made waves was kind of a big, to me, like a big deal. It in felt, a
1: sense. yeah, thanks. Um, so that was a th- four year project. About I started it as my senior thesis wow. project, I studied illustration and um. Actually, I talk about this a lot lately with friends when you decide to do a project, how it's really important to be sort of naive and a little stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we knew how hard these things were, mm. I think a lot of the projects that I decide to do, I maybe wouldn't. Mm. Um, and I tend to also think of the most complicated ways of going about projects. <laughs> but yeah, the Per Keavo book was my first attempt at ever making a book. I studied mm. illustration. I started making sequential visual stories. They have like big that titles. Mean? It's like, Is that like a cartoon talk a comic? for making. It's basically <laughs> cartoon comic book making, but we're right. universities. So let's give it <laughs> a fancy name. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So I guess
0: that's because like you could do a comic book or a graphic novel or there's like different... Exactly,
1: yeah, so they need different classes for all the forms. So, yeah, I only really started making comic stuff my junior year of school. My senior thesis teacher was encouraging me to do more stuff like that, Um, Mm. and I became obsessed with Pirkei Avot my junior year of school. I came across this Maharal commentary, which um, I think a lot of creative people sort of associate with him as their, like, Rebbe figure because he's this sort of, like, artist monster making rabbi
0: um
1: and he just has really cool teachings and i figured that if he had teachings that applied to pirke ava which is a book that didn't really speak so strongly to me and i didn't really spend much time learning it growing up i figured Mm -hmm. okay i think this would be my way in and um I tend to sometimes get really attached to one book and it'll take me like a year to get through it because Hmm. it's like becomes this friend and I'm like, I don't want to ever say bye to you. (laughs) Um, So I did a lot of projects for school that were inspired by different teachings. And then for my thesis project, I thought it would be a really beautiful way to honor this book that became sort of like a best friend and I also didn't think it would be that hard at all. Mm. <laughs> um, I timed it out of my head. Okay, it'll be my thesis project after graduation. I'll find a publisher. they will <laughs> fix my spelling. I'll do the last few teachings I didn't get to. And then, bam, I'll have my first book.
0: Wow. Uh, Is it that easy?
1: Um, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Maybe for some people. Right. Uh, Just find a
0: publisher. I yeah. I think
1: That's... that um, what was important, though, about it taking so mm. much time was that I think that I made so many mistakes along the way that it's, I would tell myself, I'd, you Mm. know, be working on a page till like two, three in the morning. And I'm just sort of like, why am I doing this? This is so hard. And Mm. I would tell myself, Jess, you're, you're making all the mistakes now. So everything else is going to be so much easier. Mm. And certain things, yes. Other things, I also realized that, um, my style has changed a lot, so if I were to mm. redo that book over, perhaps it would be simpler. But um, like, every like project has their own challenges, I guess.
0: Right, like you've, you're saying, like you've found ways to make it simpler to do or easier, quicker.
1: Yeah, I think no. I definitely learned a lot more about the value of making better blueprints and sketches, and just how to organize projects. Mm. Um, I worked with a really cool publisher in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, um, I just met him.
1: Oh, you, was sweet. A, yeah,
0: <laughs> he was just at our creative for bringing because he was in from uh, Philly.
1: Oh, and, uh, cool! Yeah. I'm glad to hear that you guys connected. Yeah,
0: it was really exciting because I, he's he's one of these guys at least in in the Jewish creative world i always am hearing his name Gosh, and...
1: he's so busy <laughs> yeah
0: he's also doing podcasts right he's like
1: yeah um it's rocking. been kind of funny yeah. i feel like i'm always learning new things about him and i'm just like we've <laughs> right. been in touch for years why didn't you say anything like <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you did all these things um but yeah it was um also sort of sweet how i ended up working with Printo Craft. i sent it to like all the mm. jewish publishers and they either didn't get back or were like, thanks, but no thanks. We don't really do comics. Um, and for these websites, um, you have to come up with like a business plan. And it's more than just submitting your, your book.
0: For websites, you're saying? For, for you mean publishing
1: publisher? houses. Um, so uh-huh. yeah, a lot of time went into reaching out to other places, coming up with ideas for promoting it. Um, and... I was working at the new shul at the time and this one rabbi who worked there ordered ventures from PrintoCraft, and Mm. he suggested I reach out to them and I sent them such a simple email just being like, hi, um, I'm making this book. I thought maybe you'd want to work with me a few PDF attachments and like within an hour, I think he got back to me and was just like, let's do this. And I was like, oh, great. But then I was like, wait, but don't you want like business plans and like, Mm-hmm. This is too easy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we all learned a lot um, in the process of it.
0: Because they're like relatively new as well, right? They're like,
1: yeah, um, uh-huh. they are new and they're also growing, which is really cool because a lot of publishing houses um, are shrinking. So it's exciting to feel like I'm a part of a company that's doing cool new things and becoming bigger.
0: I feel like you kind of explained why that is though, you know, because it's like you're going to all these places and they're like, <laughs> you know, operating on old things and they're, you know, just do the same thing and and whatever and then here's this place that's actually doing new th- cool interesting things that people Yeah, it's are funny actually in, you know? their
1: tagline. I think it's their tagline. Somewhere on their website it says like Craft." Making better Jewish books, and, <laughs> um, that's sort of the way that's what I think about when I make my work. I mean, most of my work is jewish inspired or specifically meant for Jewish educational purposes, mm-hmm. um, but I don't feel like I have it in me to you know throw that on my website or business card like Jessica Deutsch, making better <laughs> anything
0: <laughs> right that's really pretty...
1: um so, yeah, I give them credit for just like taking really seriously what they're doing and um, taking design seriously. And I think also, well, V has some kids, and I think also Mm. people with younger kids. I mean, what's been cool about coming out with the Perkeiavo book is now other people reach out to me with their ideas, and a lot of young parents will reach out to me and be like, I don't like any of my kids' books. We have to make them new ones. Oh, Um, really?
0: Like they're asking you to make new things? Yeah,
1: which is exciting um to wow. think that there's going to be this new wave of hopefully better jewish books for people and all, all kinds of books
0: <laughs> yeah but eh, jewish books <laughs> like we need more like i'm yeah, saying it's
1: been specifically my my niche community yeah
0: yeah no but i mean i guess i'm saying like you know i, I mean it's it makes sense because it's like a small community but like that in terms of innovation and whatever yeah, we're there's always,
1: room for it yeah we're
0: growing and <laughs> And, you know, it's something we talk a lot about on this podcast, but just like the part of the issue is that it's like, in a sense, it's easier to rise to the top in a, in the Jewish world. So then that creates like almost like encouraged mediocrity because it's like as long as all I have to do is do this much to get to the the top, quote unquote, like then or to get attention or or praise or money or whatever, like yeah. then then that's what I'll do. Unless you like really have a vision of something bigger, you know? Um, yeah. You to, and you have to really stick to that because there's sure. no, not necessarily like that reward punishment dynamic that you might have in like the completely free big market, you know?
1: Yeah. I think also something that I'm grateful for with, um, I guess sort of professional training as well. I went to like a normal secular design college <laughs> right. um, and I was making Jewish art when I was in school. It's actually when it started. It wasn't really something that clicked before. Mm-hmm. Even though I was since a really young age really into the Jewish thing. And oh, that's um, cool. yeah, it was like my goal to be Haredi when I was in like third grade. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how you're a good Jew. If you're Haredi, that's (laughs) it. Okay, great. (laughs) Um,
0: Did you grow up secular or?
1: I grew up like traditionally modern Orthodox, went to day school, um, had a strong relationship with Israel, have an Israeli parent, but I had this one teacher in day school Mm -hmm. who was like a Haider Rebbe. I don't know how he ended up there, but it was like one of the best things though, um, he would teach us, you know, how Hater kids learn through singing and chanting. Like I still remember tunes from his class, and I think that's like the only thing I remember from all of elementary school really. Wow. Um that's yeah, really cool. and he really had um he like really sincerely valued out, and I also was a terrible student until college, <laughs> and I remember like failing my Hebrew grammar tests one after the next and like crying to my Rebbe, not because like I really cared, but I thought that he would be offended. Like, oh, Jessica must not care about, <laughs> I don't know, m- me as a teacher, respect um, what I'm teaching. And I remember telling him, like, I'm so sorry, and him being like, Tamar, it's okay. Oh, wow. Like, meet out. That's where it's at. Hebrew grammar, like, forget that. <laughs> I don't think the parents of that school would have been <laughs> on the same level as him. But, no, I definitely got really lucky that I had positive influences, or at least this one really strong um, Jewish teacher as a young kid, because I feel like a lot of people go through day schools, and um, he was really the one person that really left a mark, but that's really sometimes all you need, you know, to know that this is like how Judaism can be a beautiful thing, but yeah, he was Haredi, essentially, so I thought like, Mm. you know, third grade Jess was like, that's how you become a good Jew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah, you could... There's all sorts of, yeah, good Jew flavors. The one that makes you happy, that was, yeah, the best one. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Judaism and making art were, like, the two consistent things in my life. Mm. Um, And, yeah, when I was in college, it was, I think, really important for me to be around people who, you know, didn't, you know, everyone came from different backgrounds um it's a really international school and people like take what they do really seriously and i remember um at orientation one of the speakers was saying how um you know i'm sure you all worked really hard to get here and you were probably like the best artists you know in your schools or communities but now you're probably not gonna be and everyone's just sort of like what like how dare you but no it's really like It was a a really cool, interesting um, tactic, I guess, for us to realize like, oh, we all take this really seriously and um, we could all really learn from each other. And yeah, so being in also a place where other people weren't Jewish, I think challenged me or not that actively into Judaism or know much about it beyond like Mm -hmm. cultural stuff. Um, It really challenged me to make my art, I think, that much more clear um, so when I was working on the Perkevo book, I couldn't assume that anyone knew anything, mm. and it made me a lot more thorough with I think my research and how I present things to people and also, I was working at this Hebrew school downtown, which um, essentially, most of the teachers there are artists, which is really cool. I would be a terrible Hebrew grammar teacher mm. um, <laughs> but I was able to do art projects with the kids, and they're super sharp like. I remember a bunch of my students were like Broadway performers and they would talk about their auditions. I'm like, oh, my God, who am I to teach you anything? (laughs) Um, But they were really confused, a lot of them, with, you know, basic Jewish things. So it was a really good sort of like guinea pig testing ground for me to share my work with, to be like, does this make sense to you guys? And they'd either be like, yes, or no, I have no idea what you're (laughs) trying to say here. Um, So it was definitely um good to not just be around people who, you know, only went to day schools or are, you know, 24/7 immersed in Jewish community. I think that's really important if you're trying yeah. to make Jewish educational work to have lots of different types of people looking at your work and giving you feedback.
0: So interesting, like to think that cuz you know, you'd think it would be the opposite like that the more you're enmeshed in the community, the easier it would be to explain things. But actually being away from it allows you to, like you said, be clearer because you you can't assume any knowledge. And
1: totally, yeah.
0: That's pretty fascinating.
1: I think also a lot of the work that I'm doing and um, with the structure of the K book also was somewhat of a tikkun for the day school kid in me that was kind mm. of always confused about so much <laughs> um in the beginning of the book i have this two-page spread of i call them like the featured sages and it has them organized in the groups so of it's meant to be like chronologically mm. ordered so you could kind of get a sense of who actually you know argued with who or was friends with him like who were who the actual cliques, maybe? Yeah. Um. And so I cool. remember growing up always being so confused who existed at the same time as other people. And, yeah, I was talking about that with a friend, actually, who was always an excellent student. And it was funny uh, for her to admit, like, yeah, I never really understood that either. Like, thanks for clearly, like, spelling that out for me.
0: Yeah, I'm totally like that. That's that's so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a
1: lot of it has just been kind of tikkuns for younger version of Jess and hopefully making, yeah, just it's funny also realizing how it's not that difficult to make things clear. Sometimes we just need better charts that look more fun and are really simple. Wow. So that's something, yeah, there's, there's a lot of projects and ideas in my head, but one of them is to just make really clear, simple timeline charts and, um,
0: of like, like people from the Gemara, like stuff like that. Yeah. Wow.
1: Um, that's it's an idea.
0: Oh, my gosh. I would love that.
1: I think it would be nice to have, yeah.
0: Because yeah. I, yeah, I mean, at, at least as a Balchuva, like, I know you kind of go from, like, not knowing anything to just, like, delving into the text. So there's this gap. I don't know what it's like in day school, but at least, like, I know that just, like, you kind of just go into it. So you're not mm-hmm. given, you're kind of like, maybe there's, like, one day where they quickly explain it, and then the rest are like, okay, now it's time to learn Gomorrah, you know, and, like. Um, So it would be so cool to kind of have that just at my fingertips, you know, to just be like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. So
1: making better art for schools is something that I would like to do at some point, like better bracha charts maybe and stuff like that. They have like outside of like bathrooms, a Shayatzar or bracha achrona. And they're, I kind of, there's something campy and nostalgic about them to me. I actually, since moving to Crown Heights, I bought a few of those like, Posters that just have all these different vegetables that are just, like, really yeah. poorly Photoshopped. And I <laughs> know there's something really funny about them to me. Um, I sort of love them, but other people are like, you got to make new ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, I hate them, too, totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're like, oh, you love them. that's amazing. Like, I
1: have my own in my room. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that people don't realize that it's sometimes um, – I think the space that people learn in could also really affect the learning atmosphere and also be tools for education and not just like, oh, that's a nice design, maybe, and like, oh, we'll have a bracha on a wall just because that's something we should have. But like, if we actually took that seriously, Mm. um, yeah, I think about, there's this, um, I'm not totally sure what her title is, but Susan Sontag, Mm -hmm. she has this book called The Medium is the Message. Mm. And I think about that a lot with space also. I think like learning spaces, prayer spaces also could sometimes be the actual message of the community. Mm. Um, So just like redesigning Jewish spaces is something that I think about a lot, like the physical
0: spaces. It's interesting because I was about to say that it feels like you have like a, not just an illustrator's mind, but like a designer's mind because you're thinking like, <laughs> how can this be, well, I guess illustrators have to think of this too, mm-hmm. but but like, you're not just thinking, oh, how can I make, okay, I'm totally <laughs> revealing my ignorance right now because I'm like, I feel like, I do I, know, I have no idea what it's like to be an illustrator, but I find it interesting how you're like thinking, I guess it's also this educational aspect, but you're thinking how can I make these like, how can I make the thing about Bracha Krona or different things, like, uh, make, not just be better looking or more interesting, but actually be more useful and clearer in a sense. Like, is yeah. that, like that's kind of <laughs> what you're saying, right? Like, mm-hmm. That is the difference. That is a difference, right? Or am I just making that up?
1: Yeah, well, also, and no, then, I think you're... Um, seeing that I don't just have an illustration background. I mean, I only did that Mm. for like two years in school. I initially, I went to Parsons thinking I was going to study fashion. I was really into menswear my like senior year of high school. Um, i they filmed Project Runway at Parsons, so I decided to go to a school based off of, like, some reality TV show. <laughs> you,
0: The funny thing was that in my mind, I was just like, you just became 10 times cooler, <laughs> like, instantly. Just the moment you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh. That is so so I, I, I thing, was that. It's was not like, really
1: like Project Runway. Like, <laughs> Tim Gunn only comes to school once a year for a this, lecture that, like, you have to get tickets to. And I think it was, like, on Shabbat or something. That's so. a great show,
0: though. I mean... That's pretty cool. It's that show. a
1: great show. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see what people do under. I mean, definitely the element of the time pressure is a real thing in school, and it's pretty amazing how much work you produce under such short amounts of time. Mm. But it wasn't exactly just you know hanging out with Tim Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, initially I thought I'd do fashion design. Also, my grandparents, they um, had a fabric company in, L- in downtown L.A. So growing up, we would just hang out in this fabric company mm. and run around the space. Like I have memories the way kids do of, I don't know, I guess like going on hikes and climbing mountains with their families. I remember just climbing rolls of fabric with my siblings <laughs> and that being just the most fun. And it seemed like a really normal thing that. All kids have. Um, And we would hang out in the design space there, too. And I think they really enjoyed having us around um, because we were, like, really curious about how these things work. And uh, we – I was also a very serious child I was really into Renaissance paintings and stuff like that. I definitely knew way more about –
0: So you were, like – you wanted to be Haredi. You were into <laughs> Renaissance paintings. Yes. This is like quite a unique uh, child. That's so funny.
1: It seems really normal to me.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: But, uh, yeah, I I think also my parents were, they realized that me and my siblings were all pretty creative and um, really did a good job at encouraging that, always having art supplies mm-hmm. around, And, yeah, after I decided I didn't want to go into fashion, I took, like, two sewing classes and absolutely hated it. Um, I had zero patience to learn the rules of it. And then I did some fine art for a bit, and I was making a lot of big sculptures, like ones you could, like, sit into, um, really interactive stuff. And then one day, I, I think... It felt like I was doing fine art for years, but it was actually really only a semester. But Hmm. you end up just hanging out in the studio space to like, I know, collectively, it was probably a year, the amount of time I spent there. And yeah, I didn't really enjoy the community there so much. It was a lot of theory and reading. And then it felt sort of like a competition of who could explain their work and sound like the smartest or you know the most complicated and also if you had an accent it was just like forget (laughs) it like you're the winner (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah then I ended up hanging out a lot in the illustration department and I just like loved Mm. what people were up to there and um I didn't really realize also growing up that illustration was a job people did I thought it was just like you go to art school and you study fine art I didn't realize there was a separate major Mm. for that um
0: so this Parsons is that that's like just a it's an art school specifically, or is it they have an art school
1: yeah, so they like, like they call themselves Parson's School for Design, so it's okay. more for people who want to like actually make things, i suppose um people <laughs> usually go there for fashion, uh-huh. it's not a huge school for fine art, um, but they have a lot of different programs there. it's pretty massive, yeah,
0: but it's it's so cool, like how you i feel like it's almost like you had an insight, i don't know if it was like a conscious insight, but you had. It sounds like you had an insight that a lot of artists don't have, which is that, like, or I don't want to make such a generalization, but I I feel like a lot of people don't realize that creativity is like this fluid, like, you know, being, it sounds like you knew you were creative and you were like trying to discover what was the best way to to express yourself in that way, which I feel like is fascinating because I think most people are like, at least for me, I was like, when I discovered writing was when I realized, oh, I'm creative, you know, mm-hmm. like it was kind of the other way around, you know, like where I wasn't like, oh, I'm creative. Let me mess with this and mess with that and mess with that. And it was just like writing was how I figured it out. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been telling people also that I realized that part of deciding that you're going to, do the art thing, um, like in the (laughs) invisible job description somewhere, it says that, (laughs) um, Amuna is like a big part of it and just trusting like that's really what being a freelance, I think anything is, is just having faith that you're good enough and it'll, it'll work. (laughs) Um, and just like trusting the feelings. Also, I've been reading a lot of, um, so I'm reading for the second time letters to a young poet what is it by? Uh, Rilke. I don't know how to pronounce that. Do I say that right? We'll <laughs> Rilke? get.
0: We'll, we'll have people call in. One eight hundred.
1: I love it. It's a wonderful <laughs> book. Anyways, yeah. and he talks. They talk a lot about. Um,
0: letters to a poet. You said. Letters to a young poet. A young poet. Yeah,
1: okay. and it's basically this young poet is writing to the older professional poet, basically, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get validation. um...
0: It's a real like actual letters, okay.
1: yeah, but there's only the the letters that are written to the the young poet by the professional oh. poet, I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's been um uh, helping me, I think to put certain ideas and instincts that I had into i guess concrete words or ideas, and knowing that someone else out there thinks similarly to that i to me, um yeah, and a lot of their advice is. You know, you don't try to look outside too much for validation. Like you really have to get in touch with your own voice. And it's something that people say all the time. And it can be so frustrating to hear like, you know, it's all about the process, the process. Um, And it really is true, though. I mean, obviously easier said than done. But once you're able to, I think, just surrender (coughs) to process being the only way to get there, um, things happen. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I so identify with that, that like, I just, it's, it's crazy, I think, to to think that like, you're just going to throw something out there and people are going to like it or be interested in Yeah, no, in it's it. scary. Yeah. It just, to me, it sounds crazy. Like you're going to just, like, it sounds crazy to me even now, like with an audience and stuff. I'm just like, this, like, why would you care? Why do you care about what I have to say or something like that? You know? And it's not like a... I don't see it as like a a humility thing, more as like a it it just doesn't make sense, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and 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 that's like why I think Emuna is is so important, Bita Khan, and like just understanding that Hashem is in some way weaved into this equation. I mean, obviously, but I think that's an obvious thing to say. And both like, but it's also I feel like with art, it's so much more revealed, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think another thing that also comes to mind um, is, like, when I make work and decide to share it, I realize that it sometimes goes beyond this place of me just trying to do this because it's my job. It comes from a place of, like, necessity. Like, I have to do this to feel alive and feel happy and feel connected to people. Um, So even though it's scary and there's no guarantee... Um, it, I think it's really cool to get into a place where that's no longer what takes up, you know, the anxious headspace. It's more just, I need this to yeah. to to be alive.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the truth is that the more you start to, to worry about those things, then I, I, I think for most people that are naturally drawn to it, it, you feel like that if you're sensitive to it, you feel that like deadening inside of you <laughs> when you're like, I'm so concerned about the product or the peop- what people think of it and when all these things, then... You, it's just like it's why I started. Like I, I, you know, as someone who writes online, like there's this. So there's the process of like writing, right?
1: So
0: mm-hmm. Writing. I'm on the subway. I write, and it's like glorious and beautiful. And <laughs> even when I'm angry, it's amazing. Like I love it, you know. And then, um, and then I put it out into the world, and then there's <laughs> this whole process that has nothing to actually do with creativity. It's just people responding to. I mean, obviously, it's something to do with it, but like, there's the comments, you know, and the likes and the this and the that. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that, like, when I started off, I would, for like a day straight, I would just be like clicking, like, how many likes now or how many comments are. Oh, I have to reply to every single comment. And like, and at a certain point, I think it clicked. Like, I kind of understood it at a certain point, but then it really hit me that I'm like, I am killing my every time. I'm like obsessing. Over this stuff, like how well is it doing? And all these, I'm like killing it, killing the, yeah, the,
1: the, the like game. It could yeah. be a real thing. <laughs> I think, yeah,
0: yeah, it's a real thing. And I uh, just think, you so know, it's ha- interesting with, sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm just curious yeah. how you deal with it or dealt with it to, you know, get some distance from that.
0: Oh, that is a good question. I think uh, <laughs> the sad truth is that I, I don't know if, I, like, I think I, I there was there were moments when I really worked on it. Like I would I would um make some sort of commitment to myself, like, all right, like I'm not gonna look at it for a while. Like mm-hmm. and especially if it was a piece that I knew would like these days would upset like a lot of people or something, I'll just be like, All right, I'm not gonna look. Um mm-hmm. which is much, much easier said than done. Um I think for me really what it comes down to is just like mindful practice, like where every time I put out a piece, like I remind myself. I'm not going to get as much out of all this other stuff, than, like literally the half hour I spend writing is going to be a thousand times more valuable than the hours I obsess over this, like the reaction to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, like, just, so it's just like repeated. <laughs> when you put out a piece, like at least once a week, then you're, you're constantly kind of faced with it. And, um, I just think we're, at least for me I think that was really helpful. And then also I would actually add one more thing um that I just thought of, which I is that hear. <laughs> oh is that having a creative community is really helpful because mm. what happens like in we have this Sevria bloggers Facebook group and we we're always like there's someone someone at some point is just like, Oh my gosh, my piece, like I put it out and no one is reading it and I don't get it, you know, and um which I think is totally fair. It's it's hard, you know, to not it's it's almost harder to have not have a reaction than to mm-hmm. have like a bunch of negativity or something. But um but we will like remind each other that like our goal as a group is, and and hopefully as artists is not to become obsessed with that, not to let it get us down and to remember that it's it's part of, like you said, like the process, like we're, we're always in process. So like this one piece yeah. and that, and whatever, <laughs> right? So like, you know, and, and I think the nice thing about writing individual pieces as opposed to like one big project is that like you get to, it's it's both the positive and the negative that you kind of see very clearly how it's like a wave and, like, sometimes you're doing well and sometimes you're not. And really what matters is, like, the internal work that you're doing, you know. Because um, ultimately, like, you see people that are clearly doing it for the response and you just, like, I can just tell, like, I would never want to live like that. Like, I would rather Yeah, it's never... exhausting way to live, I think. Yeah, it is, it's got to be, <laughs> yeah. I think. I don't know. You just got me ranting, I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, I'm... Sure yeah. to learn, too. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I feel like that's why it was so great to have you, like, at A Creative for Brain. Like, I just feel like when we have these voices, like, reminding us that it's, like, I don't know, we're just – that. I think community is so powerful as an artist, like, you know?
1: Definitely, yeah. I mean, I feel really grateful also to have people who, like, I value their opinion about my work um, in different countries. Um, oh, you know, cool. I'm also, like, a late-night worker. And I think a lot of creative people are. I was actually recently talking to someone who told me, I thought that my work schedule was crazy. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I go to bed at like 7 or 9 and I wake up at 3 a.m. to do work. I was like, wow, I oh. think you win.
0: <laughs> wow. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, I was
1: like, that's really unique. I Maybe I'll try that. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like the opposite schedule.
1: Yeah. Um, I thought that was... So, no, that's a mine. Isn't that strange? After hearing that, mine's pretty normal, <laughs> I guess, for night owls. But yeah, um, I have people in California and Israel who I really connect to, and I sometimes it's scary for me to just throw art out to anyone for feedback. Um, I think also as as I've gotten older, um, I get a bit more. I think. I don't know if critical is the right word, but I just realized that there are certain people who get me and my process a lot better than other people. And I respect their process, so I want their feedback. Right. So that's a nice thing, too, to have people all over the globe on different time zones
0: available yeah. when you need them. That's really cool. Like, you have, like, this network of people. That's really awesome.
1: Yeah, that's something I'm definitely grateful for. Yeah. Um, and also, I think with um, like we were talking before about how do you deal with, you know, who are you making artwork for? There's something also I've been really what the, making the Pirke book was an interesting practice of not sharing because mm. I normally I mean, it's a pretty cool thing that we could just post a picture of our art. And within a minute, people, I don't know, hundreds of people could look at it. It's like a really wild thing. And it's so easy to share art. Um, which is a great thing in a lot of ways, but it then puts this pressure of, oh, everyone already saw this, so I have to make more work even faster. Um, But with the book, when I signed a contract with PrintoCraft, I had to take down all the images from this project that I had from senior year in school, Mm. and I couldn't share anything online about it until four years down the line. And there's something really special about... You know, I'm not gonna call it like secret projects, but really spending time and keeping projects to yourself until they're ready um is a really cool practice that I think maybe a lot of people experience less these days because yeah. we could share things so quickly and get <laughs> responses and know if people like us or not. Um, so that's something that I've learned to really value and I have a few smaller projects I'm about to come out with soon that I've been working on over the summer and while traveling and it's been really it's been a fun thing to realize like oh I'm in control of what people will see of this before it actually comes out and they could hold it and um yeah I'm excited to you know at one point just like share that it's like finally ready and I think it's fun to also keep people on their toes like oh I had no idea you were working on this thing like I saw a little sketch of it but I didn't realize it was this like whole other book or other series so it's fun to have these um like secret projects going on while you're working on they're kind of like my i have my sprinting sort of projects i feel like and then i have the marathon ones yeah so i've been keeping some marathon projects to myself and yeah it's it's exciting to then finally decide like okay this is the day where it's no longer just mine
0: that's really cool i i um i've literally probably spent my entire creative career quote unquote. <laughs> I don't know if it counts, but, uh, it's not full. I don't anyway, Um, like writing, doing sprinting, you know what I'm saying? And, uh-huh. um, I tried writing like, it was, it was funny because like, there's all these things that you were mentioning about your book that were sparking things for me because I'm working on a memoir now. Um,
1: yeah, I heard you read a little of it.
0: Oh, right. You yeah. Were there, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think, it's been such a, like, it's interesting because I actually had tried a few years ago to write one and it, uh, I got like, I don't know, 200 pages in and then. It's not an I easy thing to write
1: a book. Oh, uh, and you had a baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Well, I didn't. But, and, uh, right. <laughs> we had a baby. And I, um, yeah, and I remember like being so, and I, so I decided like after that, the, Whenever I did it again, because I knew it, I'd have to just write it from scratch again, mm. um, that I was like, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to make sure I do it. And um, no matter what, it's like, I had a baby born. I was like, I'm going to still do it. So I may, and anyway, but um, I, I, I remember like as I'm working on it, this experience of just loving, I'm loving it. It feels like this luxury where no one is can tell me what they think of it for, yeah. like, all this time. It's all mine, you know? And, like, every now and then I share things, which it's it's also nice because then I get that bit of validation if people like it, hopefully. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, feedback is definitely around. important. Right. But, but yeah, but, I think also if we share too much, we're yeah. then worried about making – we think more about making work for other people that we know they'll like versus making something that's hopefully yeah. – really sincere and specific to you and new.
0: Yeah. Facebook is evil, I think. <laughs> I've I've decided that. It's which is weird because I like I literally wouldn't have a writing like career or anything like that if I hadn't been for Facebook cuz mm-hmm. you know, we're breaking down all these barriers so like I could start a blog and then all of a sudden, you know, you can do that like, you know, because for so long I refused to be part of like mainstream like what they wanted in the mainstream publication mm-hmm. world and but at the same time, I just, you know, when you, the more you learn about, like, how they design these technologies, like, and this is related to creativity, I, think, <laughs> I swear. But, like, you know, they design it as a drug. Like, the whole point of it is to make you keep checking yeah. your notifications. So as an artist, it's, I feel like, so unhealthy because you're like, you're not only are you looking, you're, there is the psychological aspect of looking for validation, but there's also this dopamine fix that you're expecting um like a literal physical addiction that you have to your art like to the response to your art more yeah, specifically to the little and
1: red notification yeah. in the
0: circle <laughs> so even if you're like completely dedicated to not caring about such things like even if you didn't there would be some part of you underneath that is really needs that like really needs that red notification when you put up like a like a picture or Or an article, like, and when you get less, there's some part of you that's not being fed the dopamine that you're used to, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I'd be totally (sighs) lying if I was like, oh, I don't care. No (laughs) one likes my stuff. Um, (laughs) Like, I'm proud of it. I put a lot of time into it. I think other people maybe will like it. But I've been thinking, I mean, I think most, a lot of people are thinking now about, yeah, what do we do about Facebook? Because it's so right. easy to share with people. And I think it's so amazing that people who I've never actually met in person, right. you know, could see my work and hearing, getting like a message from, you know, a stranger that they're excited about what I'm doing. Like, that's the coolest thing. Like, you don't owe me anything. <laughs> Thanks for sending me a nice message. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking about actually doing some projects that would entirely exist offline and wow. like I've, so it's been a little tricky to get certain projects like up and running because I haven't had like an actual address for a while. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's so funny to listen to you just cause you're such like, like a, and I mean, this is the most positively possible, but like the stereotypes of artists, like you're, I, I love, yeah, like, I live
1: in it. Yeah, I don't have an
0: address. I was uh, moving around. No,
1: I lived like a really, really normal life on the Upper West Side for a few years. Like I did right. freelance stuff, I made art, it was great. Um, But then I think for a while, I also really would judge a lot of people who were like, oh, I'm an artist. I'm like, Okay, what does that actually mean <laughs> um that for a while I wouldn't really even tell people like, "Oh, I'm an artist." I'm like, "Oh, I'm an illustrator." That's like a real specific job title. And then I kind of realized that it's okay to um I think I also it would bother me when people would make certain assumptions when I would tell them that I was an artist like, "Oh, so you must be like a mess, or really flaky, and this is—I don't know—just all the assumptions. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're all more complex than that. We have parts to ourselves, but I also realize that it's okay to sometimes like indulge in <laughs> the stereotype a little because people expect it. So why not? <laughs> um, That's <yeah>. interesting.
0: <laughs> That's really fascinating. Like, so, yeah, performative artistry. <laughs>
1: A little bit. Yeah, I guess.
0: (laughs) Like thinking you have the space to be like that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, it was actually, I think, a performance art class that I took in school was the reason, that was like the final straw for me (laughs) in fine art. Uh, My Uh teachers were like, you should shave your head for a performance. And it's like, okay, you're my teachers. Like, I'll do what you tell me. And like, I had like everything ready for it. And then like, a week before, you know, the performance was due, I was like, I don't actually want to do this, <laughs> they just told me to do this, so I ended up making um I think I did something better because it was more personal to me, but yeah, performance art is a strange thing. <laughs> it's a little scary. <laughs> but I think it's only it's really only scary when other people tell you how to perform, um, otherwise, it could be really amazing. It's something I'm slowly becoming more open to also. Um, that's cool. yeah. Allowing myself to be playful because I realize people assume that and expect it. So, like, why not? Like, how many jobs do people expect you to do that?
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like I took you off a path because you were talking about Facebook.
1: Oh, yeah. What do we do about (laughs) Facebook?
0: (laughs) Right. Oh, you're going to do offline stuff.
1: Yeah, offline stuff. I thought it'd be really cool to make art that people would have to, like, either, I don't know, it's always amazing if you get things funded and just, you know, get money somehow to make things happen, but to make, like, a Rosh Chodesh zine that people would have to sign up or, like, pay a fee to get, like, they could only see this art if they order it and Mm. make that decision versus just expecting everything to be online. And as someone who loves books and zines and prints and, you know, beautiful physical things that are printed Uh, I think it's it's something like I want to share with other people but I would definitely need to you know be still for a bit to make that happen also I do a lot Mm. of online orders with my book and Mm. it's been fun to you know every week I have my my post office day Mm -hmm. um yeah I thought that would be a really fun thing and I've been also starting to experiment with writing which has been cool Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I used to journal a lot when I was in like high school and elementary school. Um, And recently I've been trying to figure out what it would look like if I actually tried to write my own book. But I figured before just jumping into the book, I should just try writing every day. (laughs) Um, Is there any
0: form of art you don't do? (laughs) you like...
1: Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think. Because you I told me you do music. You do...
1: So music is like yeah. my hobby art. It's the art uh-huh. that I don't have to worry. Like, I really don't care what people think about my music because it's... Yeah. I don't need them to buy it or... um
0: That's cool. I like, to have a thing that you're not...
1: I needed a creative hobby, I realized, when I was in college. Wow.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, actually. I like... I feel like that... That's like every, every artist should have that, I think, you know, like something where they're not. Yeah, I think it's,
1: it's so nice to have. Yeah. So I do, I'm like, I'm hopefully coming out with two little mixtapes that I'm, you know, making on my iPhone garage band. Like they're, it's like the messiest unrefined project I've ever done, but I really, like, I don't care. Mm. (laughs) I really love the songs the way they are and they're like sweet to me, um, like I have recordings with friends when I'm in Israel, I think more than in New York, I end up meeting people who I play music with, or mm-hmm. um, I went to Bisalo for a semester and I lived with um music students, so mm. one of my roommates was just like okay you're gonna I'm gonna teach you ukulele, and I'm gonna like teach you how to harmonize and like we had this amazing like family band. Um, Uh, and when I was there this past summer, I had a friend who I met at a Kabbalat Shabbat. Um, know, you ever at like a Fabrangian or Kabbalat Shabbat and you realize that you're in this whole (coughs) room with people, but you're really only like singing with one other person. (laughs) Um, so we have a few, um, like Jerusalem, windy hillside recordings. And even though you could tell, like this was probably just recorded on an iPhone in a windy part of Jerusalem. Um, Why did they do that? Those are really poor decisions. Um, But there's something really sweet about, you know, not taking all your art to the most extreme, serious, refined level. Um,
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a lesson in that just for life also, like that we've, we become such performative people, like, everyone it's not just artists like everyone yeah. where they put up an instagram picture they everything is is a like you're literally i forgot i was reading some something about this like it's psychologically like you there's you right and then there's the construct of you and that exists in these worlds you mm-hmm. know um and obviously that was true before the internet but like the internet heightens that to like a exponentially higher amount where you have multiple places where your identities exist and you have to, you're you're just performing for people. And so like for so many people, if you're not conscious, especially if you're not conscious of it, but even if you are, like, it's hard to remember, oh, there's also me, like, you know, <laughs> just me without yeah, that.
1: Not in like these squares that I'm curating right. on my phone for you to right. see.
0: <laughs> you know, and I'm not, you know, it's like, you know, there's this, disto- you know, it's interesting, there's this, um, Like crazy thing that China started doing, like where they're going to rank every single Chinese person by like their social. What have you heard about this? No, no. So (laughs) like
1: crazy, it is
0: crazy. It's super dystopian, right? Like they're. Ranking them by how much they contribute to society. Obviously, someone mm-hmm. who's like an activist against China would be a low. And the, and if you get a low enough score, you go to jail. Like all these things, and yeah, it's very intense. What? And then if you do well, you get you know. But if you and I and I would never, I would never say it's the same thing. But I do think that to a certain extent, we've like self-created something like that. To a, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, I would not, you know, we're not China, <laughs> but like, but I do think there's something like where we you know we're measuring ourselves like I just hit 5,000 Twitter followers and so for me yeah exactly (laughs) so for me I was like I knew there was a part of me that was like yay 5,000 Twitter followers and there was a part of me that was like this is so stupid that I care so much about this you know and um, especially it's like you know and I was like I put up some tweet where I was like now that I've hit 5,000 followers I'm gonna go out on the town and spend all my you know like go to a bar and spend my social equity you know (laughs) Because like as if it is, there's like, it's intangible, but, um, I just went on a rant. I totally forgot what we were talking about, but I think, uh, yeah, just this idea that we're like,
1: yeah, I mean, it's I, so
0: good to have something that reminds us that we're not that, you know, yeah, especially when you're enmeshed in that, like,
1: totally. I
0: think artists by definition are. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's also, it's tricky cause like I have a website that I put together, but I I think I don't. I don't think it really gets that much traction just because Mm. I'm more invested in updating Instagram because I know it's so much easier for people to find my work that way, Mm. um, which is pretty amazing, like how I could get jobs from just like posting a picture to that. And it's actually a lot more effort for me to go through my website. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I've been recently thinking like, oh, it it is like really crazy how much time we spend thinking like, what are people going to think? about these things and, like, how does that affect the work that I'm making? Like, am I actually making stuff for me or did I kind of come up with this, like, algorithm in my head of, like, oh, people like this color palette more and they like when I make art about this subject. So if I want to get a lot of likes, I should make a picture that's, <laughs> you know, yeah, a rainbow partial thing or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, it's exciting to me to also make things that are – Not offline, not online, because certain things I'm also, like, kind of terrified to, like, actually share with people in, like, a mass way. Like, with the writing thing, um, sometimes people, when they – when I'll do, like, a program or something, people introduce me as an author – and yeah, no, I I'm not an
0: author. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't write the Mishnah. Um and
0: You didn't write Pergamos? Sh- no, shocker. Oh. Wow. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but yeah, once that happened a number of times, it got me thinking like, "Oh, what if like I actually could at one point take that title on? What would my actual, you know, Torah look like?" So I have this idea for a book um the title for now is The Torah of My Kishka's, The Diary of a 20-something-Year-Old Jewess. And it's just basically, like, kind of journal entries. I also like the idea of playing with the concept of, um, what would you call it? In Hebrew, it's en Like, there's no sort of, like, actual timeline to certain truths within Torah. And mm-hmm. I like that idea with playing with that idea for writing. I think the idea of just writing a story or a very um, clear memoir is tricky for me. Um, I like the idea of being a bit more, like, playful, maybe poetic. Sometimes I write these things and people are like, oh, like, that was a cool poem. like, oh, yeah, sure, I guess I I write poems. (laughs)
0: Like you didn't Um, realize you wrote a poem.
1: I'm really just trying to, like... I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to writing. And that's been really fun for me because it's not coming from this place of, okay, you're gonna make like a comic or you're gonna make a drawing that's like anatomically correct, sort of. Um it's mm-hmm. just like we're gonna see what happens. And that's been fun for me and it's been also funny to have other people tell me what I'm doing. So yeah, <laughs> learning about my voice has been interesting, but I think once I decide that project is done, I wanna collect all those Journal pieces and print like maybe fifty or a hundred of them, and just like sell them on my own. And you'll only be able to see it if you like buy it or go to a friend's house <laughs> who has it.
0: Wow! Um,
1: so yeah, I like the idea of things being um, a little more rare.
0: Yeah, that's actually really interesting because um, you know we do these creative fabrings, and I, it's funny because I talk about them all the time, and yet. They're, they're a good time. Oh no, they're great! But like, it's interesting because I I remember we we spent years trying to figure out how to make a good creative event in Crown Heights because there's so many issues in Crown Heights, <laughs> like you know where there's the people who want it to be super from, and then there's people who like Dafka are rebelling against fromness, and it's so it becomes been so a party. Funny learning
1: about all the people, like I didn't really yeah. totally know what
0: <laughs> yeah. what this
1: neighborhood is that I. <laughs> willingly sign
0: up for it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Especially, I feel like if you didn't come in to live in the Chabad community, then you're really surprised, probably, by like, <laughs> so many things. But, well, like, so it was really fascinating to kind of figure it out because we, we knew we wanted to do creative stuff. We just didn't know.
1: You um, say by we. we, I mean
0: Rivka, my wife, and I. And um, so, we, you know, we tried open mics and this and that. We had, like, and it never felt right to us. Um, And then we. I came up with this idea of the creative for bring in and we decided to make it invite only. And to only invite we'd started with a very small list of like people and it slowly expanded. But the idea was like, I remember it just had <laughs> been so scarred by doing all these events where it didn't go the way I wanted it to um, because I had a very specific vision for it. Like where I was like, all right, I'm only going to invite the people I know for a fact are going to create the vibe that is like, you know, truly, I'm speaking super arrogantly, but like, <laughs> uh, that's truly artistic and not just, you know, they're not looking for a party. They're not looking for it to fit into some sort of rule. Like they're really right, looking for. Yeah, a
1: real thing right. with creating community for sure. Yeah. Right. Like oh, wanting those people who respect that. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Thank <laughs> you for that. putting in a holy way. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's about how awesome I am. And, um, <laughs> and, and then what was so fascinating about that was like, I'm like, it worked. And we said, like, you can invite one person. And and so that way we were kind of able to naturally expand it. And so my point being, like, I feel like that was the event slash community version of what you're describing when it comes to art. Because I feel like we had to really kind of, you know, narrow. We had to become narrow and closed mm-hmm. and private before we could grow. Like, yeah. we couldn't build the culture that we wanted by just going on Facebook and being like, as many people as possible come like,
1: you mm-hmm. know, cause I
0: feel like that's the, just like with art, like the natural inclination is, or, or with creativity is to want as many people to look at as possible. But the truth is like, you're describing like beautiful things are coming out of doing like very private experiments and these sorts of things. And, um, I feel like the same thing kind of happened with that. Like, and it's just a reminder, like, not that to devalue, obviously there's incredible value to being able to just throw something out there and like however many people can see it. Um, but there's also something so valuable about that like smallness.
1: Yeah, I think that's also... Um, get. sometimes getting people to go to things is a challenge. And there. that's something... I mean, I do a lot of book events or outside of book stuff trying to pursue more like fine art illustration stuff. So like small gallery kind of pop-up things, and yeah, it's it's a tricky thing to get people to show up to things, and mm-hmm. I think it's, I'm not sure if you were, like, trying to come up with some sort of, like, tactic, or I mean, it kind of seems like this is just sort of how it naturally happened, but I think it's it's a smart strategy to start that way, you know, connecting with the people that you could rely on that have a similar dream that you have, like, that's a really great thing to have and um yeah like building creative community has to start i think with people who are really you know dedicated to the vision and yeah yeah, having a a strong foundation is important with people
0: yeah and i think it was like so interesting because i guess the, the way i was connecting with your art thing was just like it started like we don't use facebook at all like we just yeah. Email, how old school, you know, <laughs> like we just send an email, we have a list and like, oh my, you know, we don't even do MailChimp, we just send an email. I, yeah, like,
1: and people like miss that, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's
0: weird. <laughs> and it's funny because I realized like I never open, like even for things that I care about, I never open like a newsletter, like at least myself, you know, but when I get a personal email, even if it's a big group, I open it, you know? Yeah, I no, Even um, I went
1: to Shabbat dinner last week and my friend invited me, it was a birthday dinner and... I was like, okay, I won't ask for the info because there'll be like a Facebook group or something, you know, message. (laughs) And I remember like an hour before Shabbat, I was like, where do you live? I don't know Uh, where I'm going. What time? (laughs) Um, And I loved that I had no idea who was going to be there. And it was a wonderful Friday night. And I love that I didn't, you know, and there was people who I was so happy to see. And it was... It was a really special thing that doesn't happen often for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just surpri- surprises happen less, I guess, because of Facebook. Yeah. What are we gonna do about it? I don't know. Just use email.
0: <laughs> just use <laughs> <For> email. <everything? laughs> yeah. Let's just make zines. You know. <laughs>
1: <sighs> what a life that would be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel. I know. But I, I. You know what? I actually. I do think we have to do something about it. I feel like we've got to do something this is crazy
1: so i've been you know? thinking of making also just in reworking my website to make it more of a personal feed so to speak i mean oh cool the other day i was um i sometimes will I guess as a freelancer it's nice to have, you know, multiple income streams. I think that's the phrase they <laughs> use. <laughs> so there's anyway, there's wow. this one website that people could you order my up. art through. Uh-huh.
0: I'm
1: I'm like really as much of a like, I don't know, artist personality type I am. I like it's funny, I don't I think of myself as really on this planet and very into like professional development. You're um, saying you
0: do or you don't? Think.
1: I do. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, <laughs> cool.
0: That's cool. You're like not, yeah, you don't have to be.
1: I get like very, actually, I was talking about this with Simcha. I forgot how it came up, but he was like, yeah, like you have like a good sense of like being, you know, suspicious of people when you need to be like, that's, mm. um, you know, I think I'm an open-hearted, loving person, but also when it comes to my work, I just, um, and like I, I value my time a lot and I know that what I do when I commit to things, like it takes a long time because I'm not just going to make something that I don't think is good enough. Like everything that I do has to be something that I like. Um, mm. I also like don't totally get the approach of like hating your art. Um, I don't yeah. know. I think especially if it's your, you know, income, you should be confident with it. So yeah, I like really will put my all into like anything that I do artistically. So I've realized like, I can't just say yes to all the jobs and all the commitments. So that's cool. That's something that, um, I think is important. Um, what are we talking about? How are we going to save the internet? Oh yeah. I was gonna, (laughs) (laughs) or destroy it. Um, yeah, I was gonna, um, this website was having a sale that I sell stuff on and was like, Oh, I know that like I really want to start this new site already. And like today should be the day, but like so many people will just easily see if I just put it on Facebook Mm. and like numbers and sales is a thing. So yeah, maybe that'll be a summer project, but I think especially if I decide to like ever really share like actual writing stuff on the internet, like it couldn't just be on Facebook. Like that's it's just terrifying.
0: I'll get <laughs> zero <so> cool.
1: likes. I <laughs> get like the confused face that they now have.
0: The confused? Do they have I don't know it's confused
1: or it's like the wow face. Right. It just looks like shocked be... and I don't know. It's sort of like unclear to me what it means.
0: <laughs> it is. That one's the vaguest one, I think. You're right. Yeah. That's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to make secret websites and I'll have a newsletter or something maybe.
0: This is uh a I plan. love this. This is great. You just inspired me so much. Oh, cool. We're, we're going off the grid, Jess. I'm <laughs> going to do it. It was great. Um, and what's really funny now is I'm going to do the complete opposite of what I just described <laughs> and ask you to plug your stuff uh, so people know where to find it. It's
1: important, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, um, I do have a website that has more of my old art. You know, it's I've been making a lot of art this past year. And I haven't really it's like in the next month or so I hope to share it and redo my website. But if you want to see my older works, you could go to jessicatdeutsch.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: that's my website. Instagram. Um
0: what's your Instagram handle?
1: My Instagram handle, it's really long. Jessica underscore Tamar underscore Deutsch. Uh, we'll link <laughs> um, to it. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I share most stuff. <laughs> okay. And that's where you could find my stuff or Printocraft. That's where you could find my book. It's their website is actually kind of funny. It's Shabbos. It's not like a dot com. It's s h a b dot E S or something. Like they're really silly and like <laughs> clever and funny. But I'm like, guys, it's a bad idea. Like, no one will get this, like, business-wise. We're But yeah. for those who get it, it's it usually makes people like giggle when they hear that's their website. But you could buy my book and other um, better Jewish books on that site. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where you could find me in picture form that's curated.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. That Thanks was, for
1: having me. It was fun. Pleasure.
0: Yeah, great. Let's do it again. Amazing. Thank you for listening to Havria Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to Hevriya.com or Facebook.com slash We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Kal,